the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day, and welcome again to Selwyn's Law. I'm Selwyn Whitehead, and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney, and I'm also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. In addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees of law. That is to say, I am a master of the laws of taxation law and a master of the laws of intellectual property laws. So I consider myself to be one of the true Avengers. Both of my master's degrees were obtained from my favorite alma mater, Golden Gate University School of Law, which is located in beautiful downtown San Francisco. And because of my training, my experience, my interests, I'm primarily focused in the area of bankruptcy law, debt wealth management, states and trusts, real estate, and taxation law. And I'm proud to say that on occasion, as part of my general practice, I'm sometimes able to seek out and vindicate the rights of seniors who find themselves victims of financial elder abuse. I am, as always, so pleased to come to you once again today from the beautiful KFAX studios in the beautiful San Francisco Bay Area to discuss some of the financial and legal issues confronting families and small business owners. However, as always, I must once again ask you to please note that this show does not provide legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully help you develop an outline of some of the issues that may help you seek out and find qualified professional help. I say this once again, as I'm known for saying, representing yourself and your family in a legal matter, especially one that deals with your finances. It's just like taking a butter knife to a gunfight. If you get lucky, you can get real close to your adversary. You might be able to scratch her on the arm or even run around and poke her in the eye. But more than likely, because she is better equipped with the tools that she needs to execute her case, your valid claims and defenses will likely see the promised land way before you do. So once again, the purpose of 
Selma's Law here on KFAX is to discuss the law related to your money, and unfortunately, more often than not, the lack thereof, and the related finances, and what you need to consider to protect your family's financial health, wealth, and money-related well-being, as I understand these concepts, in a non-threatening educational form. With that said, we're going to continue our discussion on what a debtor must do to stay in a Chapter 13 bankruptcy once she makes the decision to file it and not end up having her case dismissed before or after her Chapter 13 plan is confirmed. Again, the reason why I want to broach this subject today is because I've heard from some of you out there in the listening audience, and you've asked me to look at your case and help you understand why it is your case got dismissed and what you might need to do the next time you file if you think it's appropriate to file again. And I I am really happy to discuss this matter because, um, as I've shared with you last time, most Chapter 13s don't make it to the finish line and accomplish the goal that the debtor set out to achieve by filing the case in the first place. And I shared with you a statistic that uh, according to some research done by one of the organizations I'm a member of, the American Bankruptcy Institute, as was related in one of their journals last August, only 38.8% of Chapter 13 debtors complete their plans. And you know, if you're going to file for bankruptcy, you want to really want to complete your plan because that's the only way that you're going to get whatever it was um, that caused you to need to file for bankruptcy, the pending foreclosure on your home or the pending foreclosure on your commercial real estate or your repossession of your automobile or a creditor getting a judgment and going after your bank account. And they can do that, go after your bank account with a judgment or they've told your boss that, The boss has to turn over a part of your wages as part of a garnishment again because they got a judgment against you because you didn't pay your bills. And instead of trying to um, look at all your options, including bankruptcy, you didn't file for bankruptcy before. So maybe you filed it late after the wage garnishment started and you didn't complete the plan. And now whatever it was that you were trying to do, including discharge some of your unsecured debt, you're not going to get it because you're likely going to be amongst the 62% um, or more who don't make it to the bankrupt's Chapter 13 finish line. And so you're not able to do what it is that you needed to do. But, you know, filing for uh, a Chapter 13 is is a highly complicated, complex matter. Um, you know, I'm a lawyer and I <laughs> trained in this stuff. And sometimes I'm scratching my head. And and it's, it's a good thing, too, because, you know, the law is constantly changing. Uh, case laws come out every day where one or more bankruptcy judges and or his or her hierarchy have decided uh, an issue of note, um, a new issue that's coming before them, or they reconsidered an issue that's already come before them and changed their mind. Because, after all, uh, bankruptcy judges are most more than likely lawyers, and lawyers are, guess what, human beings, (laughs) and sometimes we make mistakes. And, you know, I'm going to put a pin in this right now and say that's why any young person out there within the sound of my voice, whether you come from a wealthy family 
or a, the poorest family on the poorest block in the poorest neighborhood, you have something of value and you could bring your uh, value, your ideas, you know, your street cred to to the bar and become a, a lawyer and become a judge. And then, you know, it's not that when you make decisions, you'll make them in favor of your neighborhood, but it's just that you'll bring a whole new vista of ideas to the fore. And the law needs to constantly be inculcated with new ideas from people who don't necessarily look or think like the people that are already lawyers and already judges, because sometimes the existing lawyers and judges make mistakes. Let's get back to what we're talking about now. We're talking about what you need to do to stay in your Chapter 13 bankruptcy. That's the kind for human beings where you're trying to reorganize your debt so you can keep going. But as I've said, most individuals and families who file bankruptcy Chapter 13, they just don't make it. And, you know, that's because filing is just the first step in what I call a gauntlet. There's, you, you have to present documents uh, to the court. Then you have to present documents to the Chapter 13 trustee. And sometimes um, they want documents that seem overwhelming and, you know, um, going all the way back to when you were just a mere lass or laddie, and they want to know all about your financial history, and you just cannot deal with it. But you know what? You have to because it's worth it. Um, again, you don't want to be part of the 61 62% of, of debtors that fall out, and the court will actually dismiss your case, and you will be kicked to the curb, as it were, outside the bankruptcy court. And I, 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 I am a pain in the behind to my clients about this. I nag them. I nudge them. I, I sound like a harpy sometimes, some have said, but you know what? I don't care because very few of my cases and my clients get dismissed out of 13s because I am very tenacious and I fight very hard for my clients. Uh, and as I said, some of you out there in the audience have reached out to me, and, and I'm not going to name names because I can't do it. But let's just say, for example, somebody wanted me to review why it was their last case got dismissed. And so they gave me a case number, and I was able to look up all the cases. And there might have been like 10 cases <laughs> that this individual had filed on on his or her own. And y- you guys have to realize that bankruptcy is a lot, Chapter 13 bankruptcy, well, all of them, they're a lot like baseball. You know, you can come up to bat as, you know, as many times as you want or as the game allows. And I've been to some games that seem to go on forever. But you only get a certain number of strikes until you have to go sit down, go back to the dugout or ride the pine, as, as we used to say. So, I'm going to share with you uh, uh, some more bad news. The first time you file for bankruptcy, the automatic stay, which is this thing that stops your creditors and other people from continuing actions against you, like continuing the foreclosure or starting a foreclosure or continuing to take money out of your bank account because they have a wage garnishment or or check um, bank garnishment order. That is what you want. Well, you know, the first time, that automatic stay stays on for the duration of the case. But the, say that case got dismissed. 
The second time you file a case within a year, the automatic stay will only stay in place for 30 days, and then it dissolves into space. During that 30 days, you and or your lawyer have to go ask the court to extend the stay. And you have to show that you filed the case in good faith in order for the court to even consider doing that. And the burden is going to be on you because you should have got your case, whatever you want done in the earlier case. And then some people get the second case dismissed. You know, the third time that you file a case within a year, there might not be an automatic stay. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more when we come back on the other side. But let's just take a short break for the cause right now. Back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back. As we continue our discussion of some observations I've made about why Chapter 13 cases get dismissed and what you can and must do to prevent your case from being dismissed. Because as I stated on the other side, you only get so many chances at bat until. there will not be an automatic stay. And in some instances, the court will issue an order saying that you cannot file again for a year. So that means that even if you might have had a righteous reason to file a a third or fourth case, because you are a nuisance and you are not doing what it is, the reason why uh, bankruptcies are even allowed in the first place. And so let's, let's, let's go back to the three primary reasons bankruptcies are deemed important enough to be part of our Constitution and periodically get updated by Congress. Uh, and just to, to fill in uh, something we talked about a few weeks ago, the um, extending or increasing the amount of debt that a farmer can have, that passed the Senate this week. And so now it's heading to uh, the president's desk for uh, him, him to sign it. So Congress is, 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 is responsible for uh, the bankruptcy code and the rules and regulations that are related to it. And the reason why is there's three primary public policy reasons for bankruptcy. First, it's to give the honest but unfortunate debtor a chance to reorganize her debts, her balance sheet, in effect, so she can continue to have the assets that she needs to continue to be a productive member of our society and not be so burdened with debt that she just can't function because she's emotionally overwrought and she can't do what she needs to do to take care of her family. The second reason, the primary public policy reason for bankruptcy, is to stabilize our economy by allowing individuals or small business debtors a chance to keep their small business going, thereby employing at least themselves for family business, family-owned business, while contributing to the tax base that we all need. But there's a third reason why we have bankruptcy, a very important public policy reason, is to treat the debtor's creditors 
fairly. You know, they have a stake in this too. You know, if, if creditors aren't treated fairly, there will not be credit. And if there's no credit, unless we are blessed to be, you know, born with a silver spoon in our mouth or up our bum sometimes, we will not be able to buy a house or buy a car or buy those things that we think we need to manage and run our families. So creditors have to be fair, treated fairly. And when a debtor continually files for bankruptcy, sometime with absolutely no intention to utilize the bankruptcy code and the federal rules of bankruptcy procedures and all the court local rules and all the rules of governing how one conducts themselves in a legal matter, then they will, the debtor will, in attempt will in effect be attempting to forestall a creditor from being able to move against the debtor. And that is something that a creditor maybe should be able to do, depending on the circumstances, especially when the debtor continually files with no intent other than to you know, harass and delay the creditor from doing something that they're lawfully entitled to do so. Let's face it. If your house is um, under threat of foreclosure, it's because you borrowed money, you signed a contract, and you are in default. And so, normally, if you're in default, the the party on the second, the party to the second half, is able to move against you and take back their property. But then there's bankruptcy that gives you an opportunity to reorganize your debt if you're an honest person who has a plan of reorganization and a plan or an idea of how you're going to make up the payment to the creditor. And so that is why, ultimately, the first time you file for bankruptcy, it is presumed that you are the kind of honest individual who sincerely wants to reorganize her debts. And so you'll be given the benefit of the doubt, but you will not get a get-out-of-jail-free card, as it were. You will have to perform after you file, that is to say, make your provisional payments, give over to the Chapter 13 trustee those documents that will substantiate your assets, your liabilities, your income and expenses, and do it in a timely manner, such as you don't hold up the, the whole bankruptcy train and so there are, there will be deadlines, and you will have to meet them. There will be orders that will be issued by the court giving you those deadlines, and you will have to follow through on them. And if you can get past the trustee and substantiate that you are you, this is your case, you wanted to file the case, not, nobody's perpetrating a fraud on you, you're working with your lawyer if you have one, and uh, he or she is discussing your case with you, you're signing the documents, nobody's holding a gun to your head to make you file for bankruptcy or stay in bankruptcy, then you get past that process and the trustee will make a recommendation that your plan be confirmed because your plan primarily is feasible. That is to say, you can generate enough income to pay your reasonable living expenses outside of bankruptcy and you have money left over to try to compensate your secured creditors, your priority creditors, and pay as many of your unsecured creditors as possible. And that's what it means by feasible. And if your plan is feasible, filed in good faith, you, you can prove who you are, then you'll get a plan confirmed. Then you have to perform. That's the, the area where after your plan is confirmed, you might be in bankruptcy for another 30 to, to you know maybe 40 months, and you have to make those payments 
every month on time. Now, all of us fall on hard times occasionally, even if we're in bankruptcy. And if you get to your lawyer and get to the court soon enough, you might be able to modify your plan where you might be able to, you know, ask the court to, you know, let you not pay maybe for a few months while you do something else, such as, you know, if somebody gets sick and, you know, you need to defer that money to hospital bill or you need to buy insurance or, you know, there's what I find about the bankruptcy court and most of the people involved in it, they're very reasonable. And, you know, if you're honest and you have good faith reason for needing to change your, your plan, it might be such that you're able to do so, but you have to be attentive. It's your case. This is your property. This is your life. And that's what I instill in my clients because the first time you file for bankruptcy, it is presumed that you're going to stay in it uh, and the stay stays on for the entire time you're there. If your case gets dismissed, the um, second time you file, it's only going to last for 30 days. And during those 30 days, you need to file a motion with the court, explain to the court why you, you, the first case got dismissed and how Things have changed this time. You got another job. Your daughter is all better. Your grandchild is going to make a contribution to the family to help you pay your bills. Or are you going to surrender that automobile that breaks down anyway, and you're going to ride the bus? And so that's going to cut your expenses in half so that you'll be able to catch up with your mortgage payments. And so that's the kind of reasonable thing that you do in in a bankruptcy. But you do have to do it because if your case gets dismissed a second time, the third time you file, there will not likely be a stay. And you'll have to do some quick maneuvering to get in front of a court to ask the court to impose a stay. So that's why it's best to be sincere and committed the first time you file your case, because it's been my observation, and I've shared this with you before. There are three top reasons I have observed why cases get dismissed. First, Debtors don't make all the provisional plan payments in accord with their provisional plan of reorganization that must be proposed and filed within 14 days of filing the bankruptcy case. So they don't, you know, you you and your lawyer work up a plan where you're provisionally going to pay $300 a month uh, for 36 months. And then while your case is being analyzed and reviewed by the trustee and you and your lawyer are working to refine it, um, you have to make those payments. And then debtors don't make it because they just go off into outer space, I guess. And they don't make it, and that's a reason to have your case dismissed. But say you do make the payments and you get to your 341 hearing. That's the hearing where you're in front of the uh, trustee and he or she will examine you to make sure that, you know, you're you and you're kosher and your case is okay. Uh, you don't present all the documents. And there's a whole or myriad of documents that need to be provided. That's a reason for your case to be dismissed. And then say you make it through that gauntlet and you get your plan confirmed, you you know, maybe your payments have been adjusted to $400 a month because you forgot a a secured creditor, and then you make those payments and then you stop. Well, that's a reason to have your case dismissed. Again, you need to, if you're going to file for bankruptcy, you need to stay in bankruptcy and get your, your, your plan confirmed get your plan completed, reinstitute the secure debt that w- that you were in default, and get a discharge and get on with your life. That's what I like about bankruptcy. You get to get on with your life. 
You get to recognize that you had a financial problem, financial issue. You get to, you know, scratch your head and figure out a plan. And if you're fortunate, you have a committed lawyer who will help you. And then you get those documents at the end of the case. A federal court judge says that your home mortgage is reinstated. And a federal judge says that your unsecured debt are discharged. That's that's a really good thing, as Martha Stewart would say. Well, I'm going to leave it there for now, but always in closing, I'd like to say here at Selwyn's Law, we always want to stay on the right side of the law, especially when we're using the law to protect our families. Take care. Until next time. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the law office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.